Chapter 2 Sage The latte Sage made him could possibly win first place in the best latte ever awards, if those existed. She was precise and exact, slowly and methodically going through her paces. Coffee, syrup, milk, froth, which, by the way, was perfect. Bennett sipped slowly since it was probably scalding hot. I'll have to adjust to having a working temperature gauge. Sorry it's so hot. It's all right. It's really good as lattes go. He snapped a lid onto his cup and set it down onto the counter, then started packing up his tools and crumpling wrappers from the parts he'd used. The pang of sadness that came over her, watching him prepare to leave, surprised Sage so much that it nearly left her speechless. Thank you for coming out so close to the holiday. Do you have a busy day ahead? Nah. He shook his head while he latched the toolbox closed. This is my only call. I took today off, but Revel said it was an emergency, so... He shrugged, then picked up the toolbox in one hand and the coffee cup in the other. The service call is free. I won't bill you for the parts since I had them on hand and it would cost me more to work up the invoice than they're worth. Call it a Christmas gift. Sage beamed. Oh, well, thank you. It was nice of you to come out. I figure I'll stop by the barbershop down the way, get a fresh cut, see what the fellows are talking about. Oh, yeah? Mare was already in here today. He gets a latte every morning during the week and around 11 a.m. on Saturdays. I can practically set my watch by him. Sounds like a habit I need to adopt. Bennett gave her a cursory nod and headed toward the door, but stopped when he realized he'd run out of hands. Could you, uh... Sage darted around the counter and crossed the shop in just a few steps. She pulled the door open and watched him walk through, inhaling the faintest scent of an earthy, leathery cologne. Thanks again, she called, standing in the doorway and watching him walk around the back of his truck. He set the box inside the bed and lifted his hand in a wave before heading down the sidewalk toward guys and dolls. Sage never wished she was a guy's gal more in her life. The ones that wore a slinky black dress and four-inch heels to post up at a hotel bar to watch the game and actually knew what was happening. She was never the type. She let Gordon have his sports on Sundays while she brunched or read, did some knitting or scrapbooking. She supposed that people did change and that she couldn't meet someone new by sitting alone watching every episode of Say Yes to the Dress and 90 Day Fiancé on the DVR. But did she want to meet someone new? Was she available? Sage whipped around, irritated with herself for even contemplating the question, and stepped back inside the shop, letting the door swing shut. She grabbed a clean white towel from the stack behind the counter and a spray bottle and got busy wiping down the area where Bennett's toolbox had sat. Then she began to clean the machine since it was still dirty from his order. Front door opened with a swish, but since her back was turned, she called over her shoulder. Welcome to Roosters. Be with you in a second. Your time, said a deep baritone that was already familiar. Bennett Sage whipped around so fast that she dropped the towel she'd been using to practically detail the espresso machine. Bennett smiled an apology for startling her. Hi. Was, is Guys and Dolls closed? They must be slow for Kendrick to close up. No, no. It's hopping over there. I just, I just thought. He inhaled a deep breath and walked himself through the three-second version of the speech he'd rehearsed on the way back to the coffee shop. I guess I figured that if I'm going to the barber shop, I need some place to show off my cut 
and I, I thought maybe you'd want to, uh, he choked. It had been a while since he'd asked a woman on a date, and he hardly knew what to say anymore. Some of these modern women were bold and did the asking themselves. Bennett didn't mind that, but he was used to making the moves. Sage saved the day. Bennett Alexander, she chuckled, folding the towel over and over and over again. That's how he could tell she was nervous, too. Are you asking me out? If you want to go out? Yes, if not, don't feel like you'll hurt my feelings. It's short notice and tomorrow's a holiday and I didn't say all that. She dropped the towel on the counter and leaned onto it, her palms flat against the surface. Then she smiled and he relaxed. I'd love to. Where are we going? And at what time? Wherever you'd like to go is fine. The rest of my day consists of sitting around a barber shop, listening to the young men tell you stories about young women so I can be available whenever. I normally close at nine, but it doesn't look like I'm going to get much business today. I'm thinking of cutting out early. Do you feel like Italian? Zuko is pretty good, and they're open tonight. It's a couple of blocks from here. Sounds good. Meet me there around seven? She smiled, nodding. Yeah, seven is fine. Great. Bennett knocked back the rest of his coffee, which had cooled considerably, and tossed it into the garbage bin on the way out. See you then. Bennett had dated a few times since Virginia died, but not dated, dated. Gone out on a few dates, not anything crazy, but he wasn't interested in putting notches in a bedpost or anything like that. Most dates were something to keep him busy, to get out of the house, or to appease his mother and sister, who felt he should get back out there, whatever that meant. He considered that part, the dating part, the finding a partner part, the sharing his life part of his life, to be over. He'd had 25 overwhelmingly happy years with one person. The chances that he could find that again seemed slim. Despite that, Bennett was nervous and excited, anticipating his date with Sage. Of course, there wasn't any pressure for her to be his new woman or anything. It would be nice to talk with someone who understood. Not just sympathetic, but understood every inch and mile, every nuance of this widow and widower life. You gotta go get yourself a nice shirt, said Kendrick, one of the barbers at Guys and Dolls. Make a good impression. Yeah, all of that, agreed K.C., owner of the shop and current mayor of the town of Potter Lake. Bennett was already trying hard not to be an NBA fanboy, but he sucked up advice from the men in the shop who understood modern dating better than he did, like a dry sponge. As Kendrick advised, he got a nice cut, then dropped by Ella's boutique before she closed, and picked up a new shirt to wear with some dark jeans. Then he headed home to shower, shave, and get fine, which is what KC said when he teased him about needing a haircut on Christmas Eve. No matter how much time he wasted, he was still pacing the living room, expending excited energy until it was time to go. Bennett finally sat down on the couch and reached for the remote. Maybe he could catch a game or something to pass the time. The phone buzzed against the wood of the coffee table. These days, Bennett only got calls from work, his mother, or the kids, so it was likely one of them. It was a photo, the one Rebecca had promised to send. Flowers, carnations, and roses and lilies, all Virginia's favorites were in a large, beautiful spray in front of her headstone. The sight took his breath away, and for a very brief moment, Bennett considered calling Sage to cancel their date then crawling into bed to stare at the ceiling fan some more. 
That wasn't a possibility, though. He couldn't live through more days where he stared at the ceiling fan. Wasn't that why he'd left Charlotte to come to this town? Wasn't that why he was going out with someone? Besides, there was a good chance that Sage would understand this deep mass of heaviness that settled in his chest. Being able to talk to someone about that made him excited again. Bennett thumbed out a text to Rebecca and Albert, telling them the flowers looked beautiful and thanking them for taking care of the task. He didn't expect a response, since they were probably at his mother's, helping her get ready for the following day. She always cooked like the entire United States Army was coming to dinner. There would be his sister, Diane, her husband, Brandon, and their four kids, plus mom's sister, Phyllis, and her husband, Dennis, and their kids. Bennett was more than a little thankful to not have to endure another year of so. Are you thinking about getting back out there? When it was time to go, he hopped up from the couch, turned off all the lights except for a lamp in the living room, and stepped out. He rented the right side of a duplex home. The owner, Monroe, lived in the other side and was almost always outside on the porch. It was a nice space, screened in so he was protected from the elements, facing the street so he could see cars and passers-by, and Bennett leaving his place every day. Monroe lifted an arm to wave as Bennett descended the steps from the porch, headed to his truck. It was a good thing Sage had already seen the truck, because it would embarrass him if he hadn't. He'd driven the thing halfway around the world a few times, probably, and it was still running. Though it was like a two-ton security blanket, it just barely made the trip from Charlotte and was in desperate need of replacing. Merry Christmas to you, Monroe, in case I don't see you. You'll see me, son. Got to come home sometime, he answered with a laugh. He must have sensed Bennett was in a hurry, because instead of holding him up with random chatter, he just waved and went back to playing checkers against himself. Bennett drove the few miles to Zuko Italian in downtown Potter Lake, if you could even call it that, pulling into the lot with five minutes to spare. It was a brand new place with bright lights flashing around a marquee sign, well-manicured bushes, and greenery flanking each side of the red brick building. Sage had already arrived. She was on the phone, pacing the front of the restaurant. Feeling like he was late, even though he wasn't, Bennett hopped out of the truck and locked it, like anyone would want that old battered thing or the junk inside of it. He jogged across the half-empty parking lot to the front door. Okay, he's here, so I need to go, she almost whispered into the phone. No, the plan hasn't changed. Let yourself in if I'm not there. Pop the popcorn and start the cocoa going, all right? All right. See you later, honey. Love you. Phone call from the boss. She smiled and sighed and slid the phone into the pocket of a stylish little bag. I shouldn't have even said anything about possibly not being home when she got there. I never have plans, so she had a hundred questions. It's just that she worries. He wasn't the only one who went and got fined for the evening. Sage wore a cranberry v-neck form-fitting sweater dress with a pair of black leather boots and small silver hoops in her ears. A pendant hung from a chain around her neck, balanced delicately just above the swell of her breasts. Lastly, she smelled delicious, the heady scent of jasmine and musk wafting over him. Well, we're here now. Bennett offered his arm, and she caught the hint, sliding her hand into the crook of his elbow. Let's put her worry to good use, shall we?